So welcome to this week's episode of Thrive. I'm super excited for today's show because I'm actually joined by Maury Tahirpour, author of Bring Yourself, How to Harness the Power of Connection to Negotiate Fearlessly. She's also an award-winning executive and educator, and this is the book. Very excited, just came out in March. Um, Maury and I actually met because she was the negotiations instructor for my cohort when I was in the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses program in 2016. And she's literally been like in my ear through every negotiation uh, since then. So Maury, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's great to see you again. I am so excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. So first, congratulations on publishing Bring Yourself. Um, I actually digested it over the last week and actually sent a, a copy to one of my clients who thanked me a million times over. Um, it was sort of, for me, like a deep refresher of your course. You know, obviously it went much more in depth than the amount of time that we were able to spend together with uh, Goldman Sachs, but it, it was a deep refresher and it also aligned with so much of what I've come to know and believe right now. So did you finally just kind of like surrender to the call to write this or how did it, how did it come about? So it's really interesting because uh, I feel like um, this this chapter of my life that I've that I've been in the teaching now the book none of it had been planned. I mean, it's sort of I stumbled across the teaching opportunity. Actually, I was sort of talked into it because I thought at the beginning I was like, "There's no way I am an introvert. Like I'll melt in front of a classroom." <laughs> and you know, as they say, some people see something in you that you don't see in yourself, and so. I'm, I'm thrilled that I actually took that leap. Um, and at some point I started getting, especially actually out of the Goldman Sachs program, I, um, something told me like something really special was happening in the classroom. And even though I had felt it at Wharton, um, I, it became really sort of this dominating thought in my mind every time I left the classroom. And I think it's because I've been an entrepreneur for such a long time that there was something like coming home in every classroom. Like, almost like wanting to take care of people, not, not to, you know, as mothers often do with their kids, they say, I oh, want to make sure they don't make the same mistakes I made. And, <laughs> and there was some of that. Um, and, but it just, something transformative happened. And um, with like the magic of every classroom, with the, the, the feeding of my soul, if you will, every time I sort of stepped into the room, I also became really aware of the fact that my students, and this happens at Wharton too, but really my students in a classroom see more of me than anybody else does. Right. I am more of myself and allow myself to be, to be real authentic and open and vulnerable in a classroom, which most people never see outside of the classroom for me. So people who know me professionally, friends, they don't see that side of me. So it makes you start thinking, what is it and how can I capture this? And, and uh, John Rogers from the Goldman Sachs um, program, chairman of the foundation, said, when are you going to write a book? And that's literally the beginning of this conversation. And I was like, write a book. Um, that's why I was pre-med in college, because I took exams. I didn't write. Mm -hmm. um, but it was that, like, that little push that made me start thinking about it. It's been a long haul. It's been a long process. But it really started with what was happening in the classroom and thinking, I need to capture this. And then the book became the obvious choice for it. Right, right. And I think, you know, most people would agree that um, you talk a little bit in the book about, you know, active listening um, mm -hmm. versus mindful listening. Um, 
it, it sounds like um, maybe in some ways there was like mindful listening that was happening when you were hearing these things from other people, right? Um, but, but just to talk about those foundational aspects in terms of negotiation for a minute, what is the difference between those two? And why do we need both of them? Um, so I think that active listening is always good because it also not only works for you, right? You're hearing more, you're sensing more, um, you're remembering more. I mean, absolutely, when you're, especially when you do things like repeat what somebody just said, um, you're completely present, you're hearing everything they're saying, but you're also, I feel like it's, it's settling in. Like this is something you're not going to forget because you're doing whatever strategies people do to, to sort of actively engage in this conversation. Um, I think mindful listening is something that's sort of, sort of at a higher level, if you will. I mean, just the whole notion of, of mindfulness and stillness, if you will. Um, you know, you could be actively listening, but still somewhere in the back of your mind, there could be something that is, that is sort of driving the conversation, driving your intention behind the conversation. Whereas I feel like mindful listening is, is really the quieting of all that in some mm -hmm. ways. And the, the, the whole presence of your, your, your persona, I guess. Um, you're there sort of fully um, emotionally, um, you're sensing things, you're the whole emotional connection, emotional intelligence piece sort of comes in. And I don't even know, once you practice it enough, I don't even know if it's something you have to be intentional about because I think you just, it sort of clicks into that when this becomes a big part of how you engage with people. Right, it becomes natural. But, right, but I think it's the connection of the two. One is much more active, obviously, um, and the other one is really, I, I want to say it, it's complete. It's, it's like every part of your sensory scales sort of jump in and take over. And, and I think when the, if you can do both, right, um, then it's great. Sometimes you can get really caught up in something and you're there mindfully, but, you know, two days later, you're like, God, I wish I remembered that sentence that she said, which is like, you know, the active listening part. But the two together are hugely important, I think. Yeah, yeah. And you talk a lot about, um, uh, which I think is kind of a, a bit of an extension, like curiosity and presence and the combination of those two things, which a lot of people wouldn't typically associate with negotiation, right? But why is that combination so critical? I mean, obviously, you're, you're, the way that you're talking about this is there are so many layers and different aspects that over time become more natural, um, you know, as you develop your negotiation skills. But why curiosity and why presence? Well, presence, I'll start, that part is, is probably just easier based on what I just talked about in terms of the listening. Um, to shut off distractions, I know you remember the no electronics rules in my classroom. I remember but, it very well. And here we are, everything's electronic now, but, um, but it was so important to me um, to have people understand in my classroom that, that these that distractions that we have around us, whether it's your phone, your watch, your iPad, your computer, TV, that now there's so many things that, that pull at our attention that we've become really good at getting a lot of information, but there's, there's, um, there's no depth to the information that we're getting, right? So um, when you can practice, again, mindfulness, being fully present, um, sort of the power of noticing, um, everything around you, then I think it's incredibly strategic in the negotiations, obviously. But it's also the thing that lets people know that you're seeing them and you're hearing them and you're messaging, everything your messaging says, this is a really important conversation. 
fully mm -hmm. present with you here. Nothing's more important. So that sort of goes to the curiosity piece because I think there's, there's nothing more dangerous than to come into negotiations and think, I'm so prepared that there's really nothing else I need to learn, right? <laughs> like, I know exactly what I want. I know everything that I need to get to this deal. Um, and so you lead with that uh, because, you know, I always tell people, you know, through a conversation, I reserve the right to be smarter by the time we're done talking, right? So I could have been wrong. I could have not seen something. I could have, I could have had biases that, that unintentionally even that I went into this conversation that, that precluded me from seeing a better deal, a bigger deal, a better relationship. So um, I think the notion of curiosity says, open your heart, open your mind. We don't know everything. And, and the more you go in authentically curious, um, the more you can actually benefit from it. Again, yeah. they're both very strategic, so. Right, and, and it's almost like, you know, if you go in, like you said before, if you go in with this mindset of like, I know exactly, you know, I know all of the information and I know exactly what the outcome is going to be or what I, I, I'm hoping that my outcome is gonna be, it doesn't leave any room for all of these other more creative solutions that the two of you can come to together during that information exchange. Right, right. And everybody has so much to offer us. I mean, we all have so many different experiences that um, I think curiosity above all, to be honest with you. I think yeah. if people ask me, what is your, what do you think is the, the number one characteristic of a great negotiator? I think I always lead into curiosity mm -hmm. um, because I think it, it has so much sort of involved in it. Like true curiosity means empathy. Curiosity means respect. Curiosity means openness to, to learning and understanding. Um, and it's powerful. It really is. Yeah. And there's also a place of self-reflection in that too. Um, taking that sort of curiosity-driven approach to understanding others and then kind of turning that inward. Um, it sounds like your contention is that it's actually important for the management of emotions, which actually makes for better negotiators, right? Yeah, but not void of emotion, right? Like for so long, we've been told um, there's no place for emotions in negotiations, right? Um, it's, it's, you know, it's not personal. You can't bring that with you into the conversation. But the truth is that we are not robots. Right. And if you don't make room to at least recognize your emotions, then, you know, most people, especially if the emotions get heightened, you get angry, you are joyful, whatever it is, they start kind of taking over without you even really noticing it. So um, I think that, that again, you, and you said it perfectly, you have to turn that curiosity onto yourself and say, what is it that I'm feeling? What's important to me in this conversation? Um, and, and obviously there's emotions that are attached to that and be prepared for them. So when you're walking into the conversation, you've already had that level of preparation where maybe you're even expecting it. Maybe it's somebody that, you know, there are those people that, that trigger us and they always have. So, you know, there's no reason to believe that this conversation isn't also going to trigger you. Right. So since you know that, be prepared for it, know how you're going to sort of take it in and how you're going to react to it. And, and again, it comes from turning that curiosity on yourself when you're preparing and saying, you know, I can work with this. It's not going to surprise me, um, but there's room for it because right. I'm, I'm human. Right, right. Um, I would love to spend some time on talking about sort of the end result 
of negotiation because I think there's a lot of misconception. I'm, I certainly was guilty of this um, before I took your class. Like understanding what successful negotiation means. Sometimes I think people come to the table thinking that in a successful successful negotiation, it means that I'm the one who's going to like beat the other person in this game that we're going to play, right? Um, I think other people can see that there's a win-win scenario. Um, but the caveat is actually that the best negotiations or the ones that could be defined as the most successful are when neither party is actually 100% happy, right? So, so, you know, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I think, I think um, there's a bigger conversation that sort of has to happen in our society about what winning really means. Yeah. Um, you know, the word tends to sort of um, really move towards what I call sort of more masculine characteristics and sort of the, the, the aggressiveness, the mm-hmm. being goal-focused, dominance. anything else, the dominance, right? Um, so I think there's, there's, it's time for that because I also think that that's really what leads people and sort of this, this misperception about what, what does winning really mean? Because if that's winning, it's, it's limited, right? And nobody really enjoys negotiating with a very aggressive, sort of bully-like, you know, person who, who has no room for you. Like it's all about them, right? That's not fun. So what that does is it limits the potential for a long-term opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. We want to do business with people we like, I always say, right? And so um, is it then winning, and I just don't like the word, I think, but is it winning then when two people can come to a conversation and so enjoy the experience, not the, not yet even the result, but the experience of the, 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 conversation that getting to know somebody the connecting that let's say a deal is not possible right because somebody may not have the resources maybe it's not the right time that when you walk away you think okay not this time but I really like that person. like I want to go back to that person when I have a bigger budget yeah or maybe they move and go to another company where they do have a bigger budget and so you're the first person they're going to call when the opportunity arises right. to me that's really winning because in perpetuity, you've established uh, a relationship of sorts, a trust, um, uh, somebody that you want to go back to. And, and I think that that comes from a whole different set of characteristics. That comes back to the curiosity and the empathy and the connection and the, the value being put on the relationship as opposed to the outcome. Right, right. And which the- has to leave room for both people. Right. Absolutely. And it's almost like what you're, what you're also saying is like thinking about it in the terms of, you know, sales and marketing and, and, you know, things along those lines. It's like really looking at what the definition of a light, the lifetime value of a customer is, right. Or a client. Um, It's uh, yeah, it's really, really interesting when you start to contextualize it that way. It's, it's so much more about the, the long term, the long game, that relationship that's really rooted in authenticity. For sure. Well, yeah, and you said you know this whole notion of win-win isn't. It can't possibly at all times be that both of you come in and no. you get one hundred percent of what you wanted, right? It's not possible. But when you actually, again, I'll use this word because like you have to sort of enjoy experiences, right? They have to satisfy you in some form. But when you enjoy that experience, then then you approach it in a way that becomes more about problem solving and making this work as opposed to, I can't wait to walk away and get everything. And then comes in compromise and then comes in conversation. So that's how you get to that 
that true win-win. Right. Just out of curiosity, have you ever read um, The Infinite Game, Simon Sinek? I love Simon, yes. You did read it? Yeah, I feel like when the way that he talks about, you know, the fact that there, there are so many games that there is no, no such thing as, as winning. It just struck me when right. you said that. You're like, I hate that word. Right. Because it's so complex. People are complex, right? There's so many layers to that onion that even think about yourself at different points of your life. What made you happy five years ago wouldn't necessarily make you happy today. Not even a little bit. <laughs> right. 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 But so if you leave enough room to be able to go back and say, you know, that worked for me then, can we reevaluate this deal? That wouldn't be possible if the person's like, I don't ever want to see you again. Right. But if now there's some foundation there, then, then sure. Yeah, let's, let's look at this again. Maybe, maybe it is time for us to reevaluate. And yeah. that comes with the, that first sort of experience with someone. Yeah. Um, there's actually a line that you wrote sort of early in the book, maybe in the first 20 pages, um, that just struck me so much. And it kind of stayed with me throughout the book. And I, 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 the way that I read is I kind of underline different things. And um, I just want to read this because I think this is kind of an interesting way to, to sort of, um, you know, wrap up a little bit. Um, you say it's not opportunistic so much as it's strategic. It's also about honoring yourself and the value you're expending. A transaction is never just about a financial gain, but rather about the reciprocity of respect for one another's value. That line to me was almost like the encapsulation of the entire book, right? Um, because it's not about that, you know? It's, it's so much more about, like you, you're saying, it's about the joy in the experience. I mean, there are going to be negotiations that are difficult, but we can find moments of connection and moments of at least coming away from these discussions, even the hardest conversations with like being seen, heard, understood, being valued by the, the person sitting across from us or the person on the other end of a phone. Um, at the end of the day, isn't that what negotiation really is? And it doesn't have to be just from a business standpoint. I mean, we're talking about negotiation with our partners, with our kids, you know, in all aspects of our lives. That's, isn't that really what it's all about? I think so. Um, and in the sort of the, that, particular excerpt I think what I was also um, trying to say is that and, and to turn it back on yourself um, and yeah. give yourself permission uh, to take care of yourself to because that has to be a part of this equation um, and that's why I said it's not opportunistic on either side when done well it's really it is strategic but in a way that sort of dictates again benevolence and kindness and respect and leaves room for the future. Um, this was all about why do we limit these opportunities to just one conversation um, when there's so much more to gain from these, these connections and these, these conversations. The negotiation has to become something that's, that makes you whole, I think. Um, and people sometimes think it's very Pollyanna-ish of me, but, um, but so. it, it's, I think we can dictate how we want these conversations to go. I think we can dictate how we want our world to be, if not us, then who. And I think that there's, we need it. Um, I think there's room for it. And I think we're better for it. And I, I think we see that today more than ever. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Well, Maury, thank you so much for having this discussion with me. Um, I wish you all the continued success on your first book. And I say first, because I do think that there may be more coming. <laughs> 
I don't know. I don't know. It's like it's giving birth to a very large baby, but um, but I love the experience. And thank you so much. I can't tell you how um, happy I was that that you like the book and enough to even give it to a client. So I'm grateful for that. It was great seeing you again. I didn't love the book. I mean, I didn't like the book. I loved the book. <laughs> And um, yeah, and, and for everyone, I will post the, um, the information in the show notes. It's obviously on Amazon, but I'll post the link so that you can get your own copy as well. And I highly recommend it. Thanks, Maury. Thank you so much. Thanks, Kelly. Take care of yourself. This episode has been brought to you by Workamajig, the number one creative agency management software. Show notes at thrive.workamajig.com. Find out how your creative agency can become more productive and more profitable. Schedule your demo at thrive.workamajig.com.